0: what's up everybody welcome to the pick six podcast cbs sports daily nfl podcast that was the uh emergency podcast sound i didn't do it very enthusiastically i'm will brinson i'm your host another cowboys emergency podcast in the last shoot 12 24 hours as the dallas cowboys have hired mike mccarthy uh we broke down in your feed you can check it out we have a podcast where we break down jason garrett's firing uh maybe don't I mean, I'm not going to tell you not to listen to the second half of the podcast, but we discuss candidates, so uh, <laughs> maybe hold off on that. But if you want to know about Jason Garrett being fired, you can check that part out on the feed. You can also listen to our divisional round recap as well with the Super Friends. But joining me now to talk about the Dallas Cowboys, uh, back for a second stint on emergency podcast land, Jared Dubin.
1: Dude, what's up, buddy? Hey, man. Uh, I feel like we scheduled the Jason Garrett is Fired emergency podcast last monday and it didn't happen until last night and now we're back for the second time in like you said like 12 hours you know yeah, did i even was, uh, mention that
0: it was mike mccarthy who was hired did i even say what the emergency was i don't know if i did um but also on the phone patrick walker cbs sports uh breaking down who's been on the podcast but this is a second second time is it third time or second time
2: uh second or third i mean it all rolls together because we have so been, much fun. Yeah,
0: yeah yeah you've definitely been yeah. on the show Former, <laughs> former Raleigh resident, right? For, right?
2: Right. Now out here in, uh, North Texas.
0: Yeah. Texas. Much more fun than Raleigh. Uh, <laughs> you got a hiring. You, you got a coach. Cowboys have a coach. Mike McCarthy hired. Uh, you can follow, by the way, uh, Patrick with no C. No C. C. At Voice of the Star. Follow Dubes at JA Dubin5. Um, how, were you surprised at how quickly the turnaround happened, Patrick? Because it was seven, as Dubin points out, it was seven days to fire jason garrett or get him to leave the building or give up his key and uh less than 24 hours to hire mike mccarthy former packers coach who spent the last year uh basically hanging out at pff and in a barn researching (laughs) football techniques
2: i actually am surprised at the expediency of it to be honest with you will um the the cowboys and I can confirm that they've reached out to whether it be back channels or just outright on the front on front street to several candidates over the past few weeks and uh, you know, past few months for lack of a better way to explain that. But uh, they haven't had any formal conversations until Mike McCarthy and then subsequently Marvin Lewis. And uh, it was characterized to me as far as Lewis's interview goes, that it was less of a head coaching uh, interview and much more of a potential coordinator role. So I, I think or
0: on, even a Rooney rule
2: possibly. I mean, we're we're not going to, you know, negate the obvious potential. I, I mean they interviewed
0: two guys and one guy is, and
2: one guy is, is pretty
0: pretty rural. right? <laughs> <laughs> and that guy was threatening to bring Hugh Jackson in. So I don't know. Maybe. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: That was <laughs> never, never going to happen. But um but yeah as far as McCarthy goes, I think that the Cowboys, you know, they were entering this offseason in a situation that was eerily reminiscent of back when they had to uh woo Bill Parcells out of retirement wherein you know Jerry Jones knows that something drastic had to be done. He had to take a big swing. Uh yes he does or did have interest in Lincoln Matt Rule, Urban Meyer, you know some of the collegiate minds, but uh, he also doesn't have time for a bad time. For the like, you know, based on his quote, Uh, he's 77 years old. This might be the last chance, as morbid as it is to consider, might be his last chance to nail uh, a big head coaching hire that gets him that sixth Super Bowl win. So uh, I never doubted that they would, you know, lean towards a, a proven NFL coach, but I did expect that they would take a little bit more time, be a little bit more thorough and nailing that down Uh, but you know like like i said uh previous to you hitting record they fell in love with the stripper so (laughs) it's the the guy that came in first and got a rise out of them and he's the guy that walks away with the ring
0: uh look i'm (laughs) i'm now a little flabbergasted at the idea of mike mccarthy dancing on a pole but (laughs) whatever you want to do I
1: apologize for that are you uh, insulting his body that's rude. I,
0: I'm, I'm body shaming Mike McCarthy. Yes, that's that's what I'm. Mean. <laughs> I'm not body shaming anybody. I haven't worked out in like nine months. I mean, I was like, I was going to go to the gym on Monday morning. It is Monday morning, right? Yeah, Monday morning. And then uh, Mike McCarthy got hired. So thanks. So thanks for that, Mike. You're body shaming
1: you me. You were not going to the gym.
0: Stop. I was. To be. Think, I was. I was thinking about going to the gym. Does that count? That counts. Right? It counts.
1: Okay. I yeah, I, mean, I, think, I think, for, think it's pretty think clear. That's right. Like they apparently solely focused in on guys who had you know former head coach experience um if you were reading cbs 6 years ago you would know that uh, i sort of debunked the idea that a head coach needs to have previous head coaching experience to actually be a successful coach in the nfl and especially to have success in the first season college coaches actually have the the greatest uh, average wins in their first season uh as head coach during the basically i looked at the period from when Bill Belichick was hired through 2013 and the different types of coaches that were hired based on a, a former head coach, an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator, um, a, a position coach, and uh, college coaches, and um, college coaches led to the, the greatest increase in year one wins, 2.27 more wins than the year before, and they also had the most wins in their full tenure. 7.98 wins on average, while former head coaches had the least wins on average in their full tenure, 7.54. Obviously it's not a big difference, but it just, the, the conventional wisdom is that you need a coach with experience to win. And it's just, you know, based on what has actually happened in the NFL, it's just not true. Um, that sort of leads me into what I said on the podcast last night. Like, I just think the process from the very beginning was flawed here they they took a week to fire the guy who obviously needed to be fired they apparently only fully interviewed like pat said they only had two official interviews mike mccarthy and marvin lewis you know regardless of whether they reached out to other candidates back channel like give one of those guys a chance to impress you in the room and come in with a good plan and don't just make it like you need someone who has done the job and been fired elsewhere you know
2: yeah. and I think to that point um and I mean that is an excellent series of points you made there Dubin and I think the the Cowboys understand Jerry Jones of all people he understands that um you can, in fact, reach down into the ranks of the NCAA, and if you pluck the right guy, then that guy can, in fact, be someone who wins you not only a championship but multiple championships. The you know the he glaring twice. exactly the glaring example would be Jimmy Johnson, and some would argue that Barry Switzer simply kept uh, Johnson's team uh, within the white lines enough to get that that fifth Super Bowl ring for the franchise. But nonetheless, there certainly it,
1: a lot a lot of white lines on that team.
2: Uh, oh wow <laughs>
1: now we're talking about strippers and
2: white lines okay yeah this is the best is it where, podcast
0: ever your uh. <laughs> strippers and blow, like what happens when you spend the night at jerry jones's house do you like do you that's yeah, the question bad. i want to answer do you, sip, <laughs> do you well, sip johnny walker blue does he take you out of the town in dallas do you go to the country club and play golf? like what what's the like do you order taco like uh what, is it mama uh what's the what's the name of the taco place in um I'm sure he, uh, I'm sure he eats it about. You got, time. you got Taco
2: Bueno and, and all types of wonderful taco spots out here. But, um, I mean, it's always a fun time with Jerry Jones. You know, <laughs> uh, not, maybe not necessarily if you're a member of the Cowboys organization, but if you're next to him, you're having a good time. Um, now what that entails, yeah, I can neither confirm nor deny, but, uh, <laughs> but at the end of the day, I, I agree with Dubin in that I think they should have at least sat down with someone like Rule, someone like Riley. Uh, they did meet with informally, meet with urban meyer uh, a couple months ago but again that was informally that was preliminary that was to kind of put a feeler out there to see where he stood uh but i think that jerry jones is scared uh there's no other way for me to explain it. i think that he's scared i think that he feels like you know, with the experimentation he's doing now with Kellen Moore at offensive coordinator. Of course, we don't know if Moore is going to come back, Uh, but he's dedicated so much time, money and energy into getting Jason Garrett to progress into a championship caliber coach. And it's not worked. Now he's back in that same space that he was when he brought in Bill Parcells and that he's fearful that, you know, he needs to do something now, So that he can get the wins right now because he doesn't know if, you know, he has two or three more years to kind of play this out.
1: I think it's also like, it's just clear that he didn't want to do this. Like, it's very clear he wanted, he said it so many times, he wanted Jason Garrett to be his Tom Landry and coach the team for multiple decades. You know, the idea of that happening was. You know, to me, obviously ridiculous because it was pretty clear based on his performance as the coach that there were significant flaws that were going to prevent that from ever happening. But I mean, the only reason he was doing it was because there would have been like a mass riot from the fan base if he had been brought back. And he basically just decided to go with, you know, what he viewed as the safest option, I guess. And I don't think it can be discounted that the last two times they've gone to the playoffs, they were knocked out by Mike McCarthy's Packers. And mm. I think Jerry Jones. Uh, or sorry, not the last two times. Um, before last year, the, the two out of the last times. three. Right, right, yeah. Right. yeah, so it's like they, they've been
0: beaten. They've been beaten by Mike McCarthy in the playoffs, and
1: it tends to linger with you when you your those kind of losses linger with you. Yeah. Like,
0: oh my, that it's guy. like how
1: Doc Rivers how spent the. It's spent. It's like how Doc Rivers spent the time when he was the Clippers GM, bringing in all the guys that he played against in the Eastern Conference Finals five years before. Like he brought in Jeff Green and uh Big Baby Davis and all these other hey, guys. If like, you can't beat them. You join yeah. them.
2: And it's funny you bring that point up because that's exactly what I said on on Twitter. Um, kind of trolling some of those that ne- didn't necessarily want the McCarthy hire. And again, I have no problem with the hire. It's the process of the hire, which you know, right? I'm right there with you on that, dude. Um, but for those that are saying, well, McCarthy is more of the same. Uh, well, it's funny that you are saying that you don't want a coach that you couldn't beat in the playoffs. <laughs> It, it How does that work? So I think, like you said, to your point, Jones. Do we get 2014
1: Aaron Rodgers too?
2: Well, you don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't. Uh, and I don't think that it will. I don't, I'm not going to say I don't think. I know for a fact that there's no comparing the 2014 Aaron Rodgers to the 2019 Dak Prescott. But I will say that if McCarthy can get Prescott in even, um, in the air, even remotely similar, to a 2014 Aaron Rodgers, then he could win a championship. Because keep in mind, yes, you had Aaron Rodgers in 2014, but what you didn't have was someone like an Ezekiel Elliott. What you didn't have is was a tandem. Now he did have weapons at the receive at the receiver unit, but you're talking about two 1,000 yard receivers in Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper. Uh, and if they can really nail down this scheme and stop underutilizing Amari Cooper in weird spaces, then I mean this offense. You know, if that offensive line can remain healthy, this offense under Mike McCarthy, yes, he could replicate the success from 2014. And Dak Prescott does not have to be Aaron Rodgers. All he has to uh-huh. be is a great Dak Prescott. He was yeah. playing at the MVP caliber click for half to three quarters of the season before the wheel started to kind of fall off. So I think that he levels up again in 2020. So all he has to do is be a great Dak Prescott and he doesn't have to be Aaron Rodgers. What, yeah, Patrick, I was being
1: sort of facetious there. Like, yeah, no, I just meant but, that it seems like he they was don't know reason, yeah, you was the sole reason. Oh, you were. Because <laughs> <laughs> there are plenty out there that are going to say, oh, well,
2: he." Well, no, you don't understand Dubin like I understand
0: Dubin. <laughs> Patrick, what, um, what do you think that they will do in terms of coaching hires? Because two of the big bug, like one of the, one of the things you heard in with, you know, around the league is that like, you know, may, like, Jerry probably is going to you know, have some input on who Mike McCarthy has on his offensive staff, maybe his defensive staff. One of the big bugaboos for Packers fans was the, um, insistence that Dom Capers should continue to be the defensive coordinator for years and years and years. Um, do you know if they're going to try to keep Kellen Moore, let Kellen Moore walk? Um, will they, Rod Marinelli, will he play a role in this? Like how, what is the Cowboys coaching staff going to look like under Mike McCarthy? Is Joe <laughs> Philbin prominently involved?
2: Well, here's where it really gets interesting is, uh, you know, the Cowboys didn't have to do a clean sweep, so to speak, when it comes to their coaching staff, because a large majority of their assistant coaches are not under contract anymore anyway. So it's just a matter of not bringing those guys back. So I've been able to confirm that, uh, we, as we all know, generally, Chris Richard is no longer under contract. That's why he is out there interviewing with teams like New York Giants. But Titans coach Doug Nussmeier, he's only been with the team for a year, but he's no longer under contract. Uh, running backs coach Gary Brown is not under contract. That's a big one for me. I would retain Gary Brown, if at all possible. I think the Cowboys are going to try to push that on um, or toward McCarthy. I don't know that he buys it, though. He's already researching possible candidates for that. Uh, secondary coach, Greg Jackson, I think he's out the door. He's a free agent. Offensive lineman, uh, coach Mark Colombo, uh, recently promoted. He was given a, a two-year deal last offseason. He's still under contract. Wide receiver coach, Sanjay Lau, still under contract. Kellen Moore, still under contract. Not able to confirm if Marinelli is or is not under contract, but you have to think I don't think that Marinelli is out the door with McCarthy coming in. I don't think that at his age um, and with everything he's going through over the past few seasons with the Cowboys, keeping in mind the last two seasons, he was reportedly mulling retirement before recommitting to the team. I think that with a regime change, there's no better time for a guy that was considering sitting down to go ahead and sit down. Uh as far as who McCarthy looks to bring in, that'll be interesting. Obviously he's a retread uh in the NFL rank, so he's gonna have his favorites. Uh Nolan might be one of those. Um and, and again, I'll throw Lewis out there again because again, I don't believe he interviewed for the head coaching position. Could he have been a Rooney Rule Roo interview? Absolutely. But if he interviewed well, and the verdict is still out on that, then maybe they nudged him towards McCarthy as well. So this is going to be real interesting. For the most part, the staff is clear as far as beneath McCarthy. The Cowboys want to retain Kellen Moore. I can tell you that definitively. Jerry Jones does not want to let Kellen Moore out of the building, nor does he want to let Mark Colombo uh, out of the building or even John kidnap. So now comes the question, how much power will McCarthy have to build his staff? Can he build it 100% or Will it be 60-40 with Jerry and Steven saying, hey, no, you have to take these three guys?
0: Uh, Let's take a quick break, and then we come back. I want to ask Dubin about what the offense could and should look like under Mike McCarthy in Dallas. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. So as Patrick points out, the coaching staff in flux certainly um not everything lined up for the Cowboys, but maybe not in a bad way. Dubin, what do you think the offense will look like? The the big knock on Mike McCarthy, of course, that um all his receivers just ran isolation routes that he didn't use uh you know, bunch formations or motion or enough play action. Um, do you think that he will change what he does or will it just be more of the same old Mike McCarthy?
1: It's it's hard to say. Obviously, he's been on a bit of a media tour over the last couple of weeks or so, insisting yeah, hey, that. Yeah, you and know, before, what do you think about that? Like, because
0: I mean, like I respect, like it's smart. I respect the PR move and the, and the feature that Tom Palosero did with him, uh, on for NFL Media was cool. And they broke down, like you know, what he'd done this offseason, how he'd you know spent the time with like Joe Philbin and in like long, you know, they're hanging out and like khakis and white tube socks and, and brown shoes, uh, studying football plays in, in his barn. I thought the crying was a little bit over the top, but, the, I mean, pretty good job rehabbing his image, right?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, whoever his agent is, you know, A-plus, good work, guy. Um, <laughs> you know, he And he didn't just do one with NFL.com. He did one with, uh, with uh, Peter King. He did one with The Athletic. I think he did one with SI. He's done, you know, a bunch of these interviews, you know, in, insisting essentially that he's Spent the entire year just learning about what got stale about his offense, what got stale about his coaching style, the kinds of things he should do differently. You know, the, the concerns that you mentioned are certainly the concerns that I would have based on what that offense looked like in the, the final few years of his tenure with Green Bay. I think you also have to consider, like, the offense when they started, it was obviously based on, you know, what Aaron Rodgers is good at and throwing those isolation routes to the outside and hitting Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams on the back shoulder. Aaron Rodgers can do that. That's not necessarily Dak Prescott's style. You want him more hitting guys on the run over the middle, things like that, rather than, you know, Jason Witten used to talk about how Tony Romo liked guys, he liked to hit guys in between zones, not hit guys on runs. He wanted stationary targets to hit as opposed to hitting them on the move. Prescott is sort of the opposite. He would rather hit the guy on the move. And that's something that you got to change if you're, you know, running all isolation routes on the outside. It's obviously A much different throw Um, somebody else just just tweeted this earlier about how the Packers over the last four years of his tenure ranked 26th 28th 16th and 28th in play action pass usage that's obviously a big issue the Cowboys started this season using very heavy play action and then backslid to the point where they were only average by the end of the year hopefully that's something that they can get back up there particularly with how much more effective Prescott is when throwing after a run fake than he is throwing from a straight drop back. Um, so th- those things, I think, are things that definitely have to be considered. You know, just a plan to maximize Dak based on his skill set in general. Like, there needs to be considerably more, I think, of zone read stuff and RPO stuff just because, not because that's the wave, but because that's what he's best at. You know, using him particularly in short yardage. As a runner, like that should be an automatic conversion. The guy's like 6'5", 240 pounds. You know, that's w- with him and Zeke and the offensive line and even a guy like Pollard who's so good at making guys miss, they should be able to convert on third or fourth and short essentially every time. There should be no situation that they don't think that they can uh, get a first down in that spot and it's gotta be not just those guys, but using schemes to give them easy openings. Um, so that has to be something that's considered too. I mean, I would imagine the, the, the system is going to be some marriage of West Coast and whatever else he's learned over the last year because he's obviously a West Coast kind of guy and that fits with Dak's strength on like intermediate throws, but they need to test defenses downfield too. That was something that they didn't do previously in Dak's career. And as the season went on, they didn't do quite as much this year. Um there's a lot of things I think that need to change based on what we saw toward the end of McCarthy's tenure. But the good news is at least he has a reputation for for working with quarterbacks mechanically. Obviously there's a lot that changed about Rogers mechanics coming from that Jeff Tedford school where they do things differently when uh when he was in college. Um the more interesting thing to me though, you mentioned the Dom Capers Pat did um McCarthy's Packers always ran a 3-4 defense obviously the cowboys have been a 4-3 team Mm -hmm. since uh since wade phillips left um it's not that big of a change anymore just because teams spend uh so little time in their base defense but it's obviously different in terms of the kind of interior defensive linemen that you look for and the priority you put uh, on on defensive ends as opposed to defensive tackles um so that's going to be something that's interesting to watch out for too um
2: I, yeah. I think that uh, when it comes to, to that, and uh, the thing that rubs me the wrong way when it comes to the Cowboys plus a 3-4 scheme is that the Cowboys have literally never won a Super Bowl under the 3-4. Each and every one of their Super Bowls has, have been under the 4-3. This, uh, this is a team that just doesn't do well when it comes to evaluation of edge rushers. Um, you look at the, the decision to move on Taco Charlton as opposed to T.J. Watt because they thought T.J. Watt was too small. Um, this team has its archetypes. And, and let me take a step back for a second and say that uh, what Will McClay has been able to do in the talent evaluation and drafting process for the Cowboys is absolutely phenomenal. It's a lot of years beyond what was here prior to him being acquired uh, in the front office. But that being said, there are still some cracks in the armor. And one of those cracks in the armor is the lack of consistent ability to bring in um, via the NFL draft an impact pass rusher from day one. That's not something they've been able to achieve. They had to develop DeMarcus Lawrence into a premier pass rusher. Outside of DeMarcus Lawrence, you had to go and get Robert Quinn in free agency uh, because you've just not been able to land that spot in the draft. So if you can't do it at a 4-3, it's going to be uh, arguably more challenging to do it in a 3-4 because you only have three guys rushing uh, more often than not. But to your point, um, it, at a certain point, it can be Uh, inconsequential because a lot of teams don't necessarily run their base defense all the time. Uh, The Cowboys though, they, they can lean towards doing just that. They do um, it more often than a lot of the other teams. But I also think that goes to the lack of analytics, which is a whole different topic.
1: I think also just the, the one other knock I think you can have on the Cowboys in, in terms of their draft record over the past few years is they pretty clearly have just not valued the safety position at all, at they all. have not. They have not poured any resources into it, whether it's draft or free agency. I mean, they've basically only spent fifth, sixth, seventh round picks on that position, and it's been a huge weakness for them since essentially Darren Woodson. Who, Pat? I'm looking at uh, you on the screen right now. You got a jersey right behind you. <laughs> that that uh, go. <laughs> yeah. that's That 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 position has been a weakness for them since he left. And um, obviously, I think the archetypes could change a bit now that they have a different coaching staff. But I do think they, they very obviously need to put a higher premium on that position. I mean, you look at just last year, they took Tristan Hill at 58 instead of a guy like Juan Thornhill, who played unbelievably well uh, for the Chiefs this year. Oh, yeah. And Tristan Hill was you know, inactive more often than not this season and didn't really do anything when he was on the field, then it was basically because they value under-tackles way more than they value safeties.
2: And and I can agree with uh, their underlying premise in that you build the defense from uh front to back, not back to front. Um, so, you know, elite pass rushers or an elite pass rush on the whole that shrinks windows for the secondary to have to cover guys and that helps um, them become better cornerbacks and safeties. That being said, you have to make sure that you're not crossing the line in completely undervaluing uh, what you can have on the back end. And I think that they're finally starting to understand that you look at their attempt to trade for Jamal Adams and yes, the Jets were asking for far too much and trying to fleece the Cowboys, but the fact that they tried to trade for Jamal Adams not long after failing to, uh, land the trade for Earl Thomas, which was a year long affair. They were trying to get Earl Thomas. Uh, they did at least bring in Eric Berry for an interview. So the signs are there that the Cowboys are willing to take the next step at safety. Uh, they were in so in love with Jeff Heath and Jeff Heath has done a lot for the team, but he's not an elite strong safety by any stretch of the imagination. But they don't even have that crutch anymore as we have this conversation because Jeff Heath is set to be an unrestricted free agent. I spoke with Heath directly following the uh, conclusion of the week 17 game against the Redskins. And his tone was not one that uh, struck me as a guy who's ready to remain in Dallas, as much as it is a guy who's ready to see what he can get elsewhere, especially with Garrett now being gone. And Garrett was a huge Heath advocate. So Mike McCarthy, I think is going to, you know, based on how he values safeties and it's clear that he does, you look at his time with the green Bay Packers um, and, you know, bringing in Woodson and things like that, he's going to bring that energy to a team that, is already starting to realize they can no longer undervalue the position and i think they go again make another go at jamal adams and if they fail at that then i think you can see safety being a top priority in the draft
0: well do we think that mike mccarthy what percent of input like what's his percentage of input do you think dubin he he will have or should have um in terms of player personnel here you know like do we i mean is because my take is that I mean, I know Mike McCarthy was a coveted guy in this market because we're we're focusing on retreads. And, and I, I don't mean that in a, a derogatory way. I mean, like, um, you know, Ron Rivera, like people like the, the Sean McVay thing didn't work out. And so people are now flying back towards, um, you know, these these guys who had coached previously. Uh, I, I think that with McCarthy, I, I just wonder, like, what, how much input do you think he'll have in personnel and how much do you think he should have?
1: Uh, I think coaches should have at least some input in personnel, but they shouldn't be determinative. Um, It's obviously a much different consideration based on a coach who's way more often going to be thinking about what's happening right now as opposed to, you know, what you might need next year or the year after or what kind of player somebody can develop into. Um, I, I don't think he'll have final say. Like Jerry's never giving someone who's not Jerry final say. Um you know, he'll, Yeah, I mean he'll allow Steven and Will McClay to talk him into something like he did with uh with Zach Martin and Johnny Manziel, But I don't think you can ever have someone who's just gonna overrule Jerry at all costs. Um obviously you want to get players who McCarthy thinks can excel doing the kind of things that he wants to do, but you also have to you know, you have to be willing to think outside the box there too. You don't want you know, like Pat mentioned Taco Charlton, like just because you think that Taco Charlton fits size wise better what you want to do than T J Watt, like if you think T J Watt is the better player, just pick him and hope that he can make it work. Like there's plenty of non traditional guys that have plenty of success. Um and, and that should be able to happen here too.
2: and, and absolutely, and when it comes to how much control, and I kind of threw this out there to you guys a, a few moments ago, how much control will McCarthy have in building his coaching staff, but in the personnel ranks as well as far as players and, and roster development is concerned? Uh, the answer is a lot. He's going to have a lot, uh, you know, to, of say. And again, this, this just, it's so fragrant of the Bill Parcells beginning of the Bill Parcells era in that Jerry did back off quite a bit and let Parcells kind of wave his hand over the roster development in the draft um, in his first couple of seasons with the Cowboys. But will Jerry Jones completely back off? No, not ever. The only thing that's going to force Jerry Jones to back off is father time himself when he throws dirt <laughs> on the grave. Other than that, Jones and Stephen Jones. I and mean, I think that that's, that's something that we have to make sure we put out there as well because yes, Jerry Jones is the end all, um, but he's no longer the be all as he once was. Team exec Steven Jones, his fingerprints are all over this organization over the past few seasons. Uh you talk about uh more prevalent on a more prevalent note, talk about the release of Dez Bryant. That was not a Jerry Jones call. That was a Stephen Jones call. You talk about the decision to not uh grant Jason Garrett an extension In January, that was not a Jerry Jones call. That was a Stephen Jones call. I've had several conversations with individuals who have affirmed to me that Jerry Jones had the contract extension ready to be delivered to Jason Garrett in January. But once they were dismissed by the Rams in the NFC divisional round, it was Stephen Jones that came in and said, you know, let's pump the brakes here, much like Stephen Jones pumped the brakes on the Johnny Manziel uh, potential trade. And they ended up with Zach Martin. And, you know, Jerry looked at Stephen and said, hey, you don't always get success playing in the middle of the road. Well, Stephen won that battle because Zach Martin just got named to his sixth all pro list. Um So Stephen Jones has fingerprints all over this organization. And I say all that to say that although it will ultimately come down um to Jerry as far as how much power mccarthy has or does not have uh don't discount the same for steven steven's going to have a large play in this as well but i think you're looking at more of a uh trifecta of a of a um brainchild between the three as opposed to mccarthy getting all of the power or none of the power as opposed to the joneses getting all of the power or none of the power i think that as much as mccarthy was being interviewed by the cowboys he was also interviewing the cowboys
1: what uh i think also by the way, if if what Pat just said had actually happened, if they extended Jason Garrett in January, can you guys even imagine how annoying I would have been this season? Like <laughs> It was like, this is already well, well,
2: here. And, and here's a little bit more of the background on that because um, Jerry Jones was ready to deliver it. And Steven said, you know, for lack of a better way to put it, he said, well, let's hold off and see what happens in this NFC divisional round. Uh, and of course we know what happened there. So that's what pumped the brakes on it. And then in back channels, they started reaching out to some people as early as the week after the the failure in the nfc divisional round and one of those individuals were in fact was in fact sean payton so if sean payton had actually shown interest in joining the cowboys then he would be the cowboys head coach in 2019 or would have been in 2019 but instead payton a god in new orleans he used that interest from the joneses and he parlayed that into a five-year extension with the saints masterfully done by payton but that does the guy with
1: a great
0: agent There you
2: go. There you go. I was at I was at
0: that owners' meetings when he came walking in. He's like, "I got a contract extension in my briefcase." We're like, "Why don't you sign it, bro?" Like,
2: (laughs) but that lets you know that the Cowboys were um they were looking past. They had one eye on Jason Garrett and the other eye looking beyond Jason Garrett as early as January. Um, so none of this is surprising. All of this is expected. But you know, going back to Dubin's point and the point that I wholeheartedly agree with, this process, this divorce. Um, was it, it, it devolved into a circus and it didn't have to. And I think that it might have cost them time, um, to be a little bit more diligent in, in locating the successor. But that being said, I don't have a problem with who they landed on. All
0: right. So Dubin, what is, let's get out of here on this. What are your expectations for the Cowboys in year one of Mike McCarthy 2020 and, uh, in presumably year five of Mike McCarthy?
1: Um, I would expect that they'll be a little bit better, at least next year than this year, if only because it's impossible to have a worse in-game coach than the one they had, <laughs> and because they had such a poor record in those one-score close games that if they even go 500 in those games next year, they're going to have a better record. Um, you know, that said, I mean, a lot of what I expect beyond that is going to depend on who he hires as his assistants. And it's going to depend on what kind of things they prioritize both in free agency. Like I would imagine they're going to bring Dak Prescott back and keep him for at least five years, but it's possible that doesn't happen. I would imagine they're going to bring back at least Amari Cooper and potentially Byron Jones, but it's possible one or both of those things don't happen. And then obviously we have to see what they prioritize in the draft too. Like, do they address safety at all? Do they address edge rusher somehow um, you know, do they find another slot guy? Because I can't imagine they're going to re-sign Cobb just because of the price and what they're going to have to pay to other guys. Um, and then I'm interested also, like, what are they going to do defensively different than what's been going on for the past couple of years? Cause I, I think Chris Richard is a really smart guy and a really good defensive coach, but I think it was pretty clear this year in particular that they just didn't do enough to confuse opposing offenses. You know, opponents came out and talked about it a bunch of times, like, they knew the Cowboys were just going to line up and play cover one or cover three and just try to out execute teams. You can't do that in the NFL anymore. You can't let defenses know what or let offenses know what you're doing on an every snap basis. You need to make at least some effort to disguise what you're doing and confuse quarterbacks and receivers and, you know, mess up their plans a little bit. So I'm gonna be very interested in the defensive coordinator hire and what that plan is there.
0: Um what about for you, Patrick? Well, for me, it, you know, Duke
2: touches on a lot of, of key points, and it's a matter of what they accomplish this spring that's going to tell me what the expectation should be for the winter. Uh, they have to address the safety position. They're going to have to figure out uh, if there's a way to bring back Robert Quinn. He's going to be a bit pricey now coming off of 11-and-a-half sacks, um, and if they can't do that, they're going to have to address it in the draft, and hopefully they address it the right way uh, and not the Tarco Charlton way. Uh, but you also look at uh, they have these big contracts that need to be taken, you know, have a look. Uh, a look-see at Dak Prescott, he's going to be in uniform. The only question is, is it going to be franchise tag or is it going to be an extension? Uh, Amari Cooper, I believe he's going to be in uniform. Same question, though, extension or franchise tag. Then you look at some or transition tag for Amari Cooper. Franchise tag is a bit rich for my blood for him. Um, Byron Jones, you know, and if you don't use a tag on Dak Prescott, now you still have an additional tag. Maybe you use one on Byron Jones. So they have a lot to figure out in free agency. The good news is McCarthy is inheriting all this talent and he's inheriting a salary cap a uh, space upwards of $100 million to work with. There are no excuses for the team to, at least at minimum, not make the playoffs in McCarthy's first year. I would go as far as saying I'd be disappointed if they didn't at least make it to the NFC divisional round in his first year. I think that's a realistic expectation. I thought
0: you were going to say five years. I was like, uh.
2: no, no, no. I, I think uh, an appearance in the NFC divisional round in his first uh, year with the Cowboys is a very realistic expectation. I think those that would say, oh, well, he should take them to the Super Bowl right out of the gate. I'd say pull, you know, pull the emergency break on that because there's still some things that need to be worked out. Like we've discussed over the course of this, this episode that the Cowboys got to get nailed down before they can definitively make themselves contenders again Um, but the good news is is they're not far from it they're you know two or three turnkeys away from being a super bowl contender um and it's just a matter of what happens in the spring how they handle the draft how they handle free agency who comes back who doesn't come back but the talent that is set to return um nfc divisional round or it's it's a failure
0: what about uh five years then if he's in five he, years, does Mike McCarthy need to win a Super Bowl, make a yes. Super Bowl, make this yeah, championship? Like what, what he, he has now? to
2: win. He has to win at least one Super Bowl in five years in order for us to look back in hindsight and say this was a great hire. Otherwise, we're going to look back and say, you know, yes, he. he And we can go ahead and presume that with this talent and with McCarthy's proven track record, they're going to at least have regular season success. At minimum, they're going to have some kind of regular season su- success. But if he doesn't win a Super Bowl in the next five years, we're looking back at this and we're saying, well, how was this much different from Jason Garrett, who had a ton of Regular season success, but could not turn the corner, uh, in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, you look at, look back in history at the, the acquisition of or the signing of Bill Parcells, and he had a proven track history as well. But guess what? He did not do. He could not make that deep playoff run. Um, so for all intents and purposes, his hiring isn't anything that is really something to write home about when it comes to the annals of Cowboys history. Mike McCarthy is in a good position. And then look at Parcells. Parcells had some talent. But a lot of his talent was aged talent. This is a young, talented roster with a lot of salary cap space. If the Joneses can stay out of their own way and McCarthy can, in, you know, bring in the analytics and engage that side of the game as he did not with the Packers. Again, I just can't see how anything less than a Super Bowl championship at minimum, not simply an appearance. A championship in the next half decade, anything less than that. And, you know, what, what just happened here? <laughs> All
0: right. Let's, uh, we got to go. We got to go. We talked too long. We talked too much Cowboys. I don't know if it's possible. We got to, we got to get the emergency podcast out. The people are clamoring for it. They want it on their lunch break. Uh, Patrick Walker at Voice of the Star on Twitter, Jared Dubin at JA Dubin5. Awesome stuff, guys, on the hiring of Mike McCarthy. Hard to believe we only. That one squeeze of that Cowboys Coaching Search uh, lemon. I was hoping for a full uh, full pint of lemonade, but so be it. Thanks, fellas. That was good stuff. Thanks
1: Thanks for for having me. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.